Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 163rd edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! Fred Brown looking. Oh, wait a worthy! Worthy five! The Star Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gaggum champions. Love guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb from straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today. Getting you ready for Carolina and James Madison, which will come your way at high noon on Saturday or on Sunday afternoon in the Smith Center. Carolina hosting the Dukes uh, before they go out west for that PK-85 Invitational over the Thanksgiving holiday. So we're going to get you ready for Carolina's fourth game of the season. We'll break down the opponent. We'll get you up to speed on everything you need about the Tar Heels, and then we'll give our keys to the game. Pick the game and more. But before we start, we do, as we always do, uh, with our pod thought of the day, which is brought to you by DraftKings. And this comes from former Tar Heel Kenny Williams. And uh, I went to the site where I get my thoughts of the day, and this one, that was, it was on there. And I think it distinctly applies to where Carolina's is right now. And Kenny said, some guys do stuff that don't show up on the stat sheet. That's what makes a complete team. You have to have a couple of guys who don't know their numbers and will put their body on the line for the team at any time. And if you go back to what Huber Davis said to Jones Angel on on Wednesday night or on Tuesday night after Carolina beat uh, Gardner-Webb, Carolina is missing that. They're missing an energy guy. They're missing a guy that's going to hustle, that's going to fight and scrap and and do all the little things for the loose balls. And, you know, Kenny Williams was that guy his first two years he was a a player here. It wasn't until his junior and senior years where he became a a much bigger part of what Carolina did, became a three-point shooter, was at the time the best perimeter defender we had on the team. And so... He knows how valuable that type of player is to a team. And even though Carolina's number one in the country and they've got a lot of star power and a lot of experience, it's very clear and evident that this team, even though only three games in, they need one of those types of guys to emerge sooner rather than later. Yeah, and I mean, we thought we 
could have possibly had one of these types of guys somewhere on this roster. I mean, we saw in some of the exhibitions, we you know, DeMarco Dunn looked like he could possibly be that guy. We've seen moments like that from Leaky Black, from R.J. Davis. Uh, it, I think to a certain extent, Seth, Seth Trimble has some of that to his game. But I think Carolina, I mean, it's you, you just got to see a couple of guys that are really willing to go above and beyond. And I don't think that there are guys right now that aren't showing that. I just think... It's kind of a combination of what what I said before. I think, yeah, there is a, a certain, maybe not lack of effort, but lack of understanding the situation, understanding that you're going to get the best from every team that rolls into the Smith Center, that it's not going to be easy, these games. Teams aren't going to just roll over to you. But I think also part of it is that this is a team that is scared to make mistakes. They are scared to lose a game early in the season and prove people uh, right that are trying to say this is not the number one team in the country. You've got to see a more confident team. And when this team was confident a year ago, all of those things that we just talked about there – all the different types of hustle plays, diving on the floor, scrapping for rebounds, all that kind of stuff was there. And right now, it's just, it's not there really at all, but definitely consistently. Um, and, and I think that Carolina, starting in this game, they've got they've got to start to find it. Because as you mentioned, um, you know, in passing a couple, you know, about a week ago now, Portland's one of the better rebounding teams among mid-majors. This James Madison team that they're going to face on Sunday before that is a really good mid-major. And then if you get past, you know, regardless of if you win on Sunday, but as long as you get past Portland, you're going to play a legitimate team in the PK-85 second round. So Carolina's, I mean, they've got to start to find the answer as to who is, you know, who are some of those hustling players, and it's got to start now. Yeah, and I think it's something that, um, you know, Huber Davis said in the post game because I think he knows now, you know, sooner rather than later, they they got to start playing better, and they need some guys to help them step up because it's very evident that this team. Is is struggling with the burden of being ranked number one in the country and and having the weight of the college basketball world on its shoulders with expectations to win an ACC championship and and get back to the Final Four and cut down the nets. Well, their opponent on Sunday is is going to be as good a mid major that that Carolina is going to play this year. James Madison comes in as I mentioned. They are 4 and 0. They have four players that average 12 and a half points per game or more, led by a guy in the name of Vado Morse who's averaging 15.8 points per game. Overall, they have eight guys on their roster that are averaging 6 and a half points per game or more. And with that, as you could imagine, this team is a high-powered offense. They average 105 three-points per game as a unit. They are shooting 59% from the field and 54% from behind the three-point line. And defensively, they get into you as well. They're only giving up 58.6 points per game, and they average over 12 steals per contest. Now, you're, you're hearing those numbers 
And you're probably thinking, well, those got to be inflated. And to a certain degree, they are. In their season opener, they beat the University of Valley Forge. Oh, yeah. yeah 123 them. to 38. Is that good? They then beat Hampton 106 to 58. But, I mean, they beat Buffalo on the road 97 to 62. And then they won at Howard 95 269. So it's not like this team is playing, you know, any world beaters to say the least. But, you know, they've done it on the road, they've done it at home. But the biggest thing about them is that they've got four seniors in their rotation, two other juniors. This has this this is an experienced group led by Mark Byington, and this is a team that, kind of like what you saw from the College of Charleston exclusively, where they weren't going to back down from Carolina, just like you know we didn't see UNC Wilmington or even Gardner-Webb do the other night. This is going to be a team that believes they can come into the Smith Center and not just compete with Carolina, but beat them. Yeah, I mean, and why wouldn't they? Look at the teams that Carolina's played so far. You just played a, uh, a Gardner-Webb team, and... It took you, I mean, it took every minute of that game to officially put that team away. So, of course, this team's going to come in here feeling like they have an opportunity. And this was one of those mid majors that a lot of people's preseason predictions, they were a popular pick to win the Sun Belt because they have so much experience. And now we're seeing why. Yeah, I mean, look, it's. They're 4-0, and they've beaten some opponents that probably aren't great, that aren't going to draw many eyes. But look, Buffalo's a team that's made the NCAA tournament quite a few times. And the other part of it is it doesn't really matter because look at all the other teams throughout the country, in power conferences even, that are having slow starts to the season, that are having some of these early game scares. This team has not even come close to having one of those yet. And they are scoring at an unbelievable pace. So that's the thing is, yeah, and I think I think the College of Charleston is, is probably a great comparison. You'd imagine as many points as this team scores, they play a fast tempo. So they're not going to be afraid to run with Carolina, just like the College of Charleston. So Carolina's got to be able to bring it in this game. Look, I think Carolina will throw a lot of different things at them defensively that they haven't seen to this point. And who knows? I mean, I I think it is more than possible that Carolina will hold them uh, to the you know way below their season average, probably inside of fifty percent. But at the same time, I mean, look, this is a team there 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 is you know when it comes to basketball, there is a, a, a thing with shooting rhythm when you're shooting the ball that well, no matter who it's against. Once you get into that rhythm, things start to flow for you and. We'll see. Carolina is going to have this is easily their toughest test of the year. Yeah, I think one thing about this game is because James Madison is an offensive juggernaut, and they're not going to be afraid to to run with Carolina like Charleston wasn't. I think it's going to help Carolina in in the long run because Carolina's offense right now is just not in rhythm. It's not in sync. It's not flowing. It looks like. You know, they're working to get their offense. They're not just doing whatever they want to do. And you saw that in the second half of that Charleston game really just make the game easier for Caleb Love, R.J. Davis. 
Armando Baycott, and then everything that Carolina has that, you know, Charleston didn't have in that game and that James Madison won't have in this game kind of came to light, and it was a big reason why Carolina was able to overpower them and, and go on to win the game rather comfortably. Let's look at this game now from the Tar Heel perspective. They're still undefeated. As we've mentioned, they are 3-0. and They're still ranked number one in the country. And given what happened to Gonzaga the other night at Texas, it's going to be really hard to see Carolina being knocked off that number one spot unless they were to lose this game. The only other school that I think will really have a argument to be ranked number one would be Kansas after they beat Duke the other night in the Champions Classic. Uh, the Tar Heels have four players averaging double-figure scoring. Led by Caleb Love, who's averaging 20.7 points per game, but it hasn't been as efficient as we wanted it to be. As a team, Carolina averaging a healthy 81 points per game, but only on 48% shooting from the field and just 27% from the foul line. Carolina does have some history with James Madison. They're 3-0 and all time, but all three games have been played on neutral sites, including the first round of the 1982 tournament where Carolina had to escape the upset from the Dukes. And, of course, we know on that, we'd know that that team would go on and win a national title. The last time these two teams played was in Maui back in 1989. Carolina trailed. Uh, trailed James Madison 79-70 to with less than a minute to go. And an offensive rebound by Rick Steele and a three-pointer by the name of Hubert Davis would cut the lead uh, as, as, as little to four with 48 seconds to go. Pete Chilcutt would hit a three, and then Jay, to make it a one-point game, James Madison would turn the ball over, and UNC point guard King Rice would hit an off-balance runner at the top of the key to upset the Dukes. Those Dukes were coached by Hall of Famer Lefty Drizel. I don't know if Mark Byington is on his way to being a Hall of Famer, but even though this program hasn't played Carolina in well over 30 years, they've played them tough two of the three times, and they're not going to be you know, afraid of coming into this environment to compete with a team like Carolina because I think it's, I think it's safe to say that, and it, I was watching some halftime coverage the other night on ESPN during the Legends Classic, Carolina just looks a little vulnerable right now. For whatever reason, they don't mm-hmm. look like the team that I think we thought they were going to be coming out of the gate. They could still very well be the best team in college basketball. And and hopefully, you know, that happens in March and April when it really matters. But, you know, I think this is a really good chance for Carolina. They've had five days to to just decompress. You know, they they you know, Huber Davis gave them a couple days off. But he said, look, when we get back at it, we're gonna attack. But I think this five game layoff is a good chance for them to just, you know, kinda almost reset and and, and try to find some joy right now because while there's pressure and there's expectations to win they need to have fun, and right now they just don't look like they're having fun out there on the court. They don't. No, I, I've noticed that as well. It looks like a team that is feeling the pressure, and that's the thing is we talked about how they would be able to handle this pressure. And look, so far they've won all three games. So, you know, at the at, at the end of the day, you got the result that you really needed, but you're right. I think one of the big keys, this team has to realize that what what you saw late last year was you saw a team that 
just got into a good headspace. They didn't have the pressure on them to a certain extent. And even when they did in that game against Duke, they handled it very well because Mm -hmm. they were such a cohesive unit. And right now, you know, things kind of feel a little off. It's, 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 kind of like a relationship or like a marriage there are we times have no experience in either one of those categories we know but you know i've seen them on tv other people have these right but there are times like everything is not always going to be great between you know at, at every in every moment of life so for them they've got to realize that look we're off to a little bit of a slow start we're going through a little something right now to begin the season. We're not handling the pressure well, but we're still we we've still survived these these first three games where we haven't quite looked like ourselves or what we build as ourselves this off season. Mm-hmm. So now it's time to you know just admit to ourselves we haven't handled it well. And you've got to get back to doing some of the things that you that, that you did a year ago that got you where ultimately to that final Monday night of the season. And it starts with the rebounding. This team, that is the main identity. When you think of Carolina basketball, rebounding is one of the cornerstones of what Carolina has done. And that is the thing that I think is the most shocking issue with this team right now is that they just simply do not rebound well and I I mean I, I think it's again a combination of effort and it's a combination you know and and it's also the fact that this team just really isn't connecting right now they're definitely missing Brady Manic, but you got to see Pete Nance step up he's got to be a guy that can get get something going on the glass I mean, the other night, five rebounds. That's fine. But this was a guy that came in last year, averaged double-digit rebounds. You want to see him get back to being that type of guy. But Carolina's got to get back to their identity. Get those, you know, get rebounds primarily on the offensive end. Create those second-chance opportunities and clean the glass on the defensive end as well. Because when this team has been at its best this year, it's been when they've been out in the open floor driving the basket and either finishing or heading to the free throw line. That's been an area that's been a strength for theirs so of, of theirs so far this season, getting to the foul stripe. Now they got to shoot it a little better when they're there, but you, you just want to see some of those things start to come together because right now this doesn't look like a typical Carolina team, and I think that's why some people are starting to feel a little bit concerned about them. Yeah, you mentioned the rebounding. Carolina averages 34.7 rebounds per game. James Madison averages 44. So you can imagine that's going to be one of the keys to the game, and we'll give you those next. But first, we're going to take a break. We'll get you this week's ad from DraftKings. Then when we come back, we'll dive in, give our keys to the game, and pick the game and more. Back right after this on the Four Corners Podcast, after this message from DraftKings. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. NBA fans, the NBA action is just getting started, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
New customers can make any $5 NBA pregame Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out right now. Everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, total points scored, and more. So whether if you're a Nick fan like myself, or you're a local Charlotte Hornet fan, you want to bet on the Hornets game, or Melo's assist total, or how many threes Kelly Oubre is going to make, you can do all of that and more at DraftKings at, at DraftKings Sportsbook. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook app is where I go to bet on the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use that promo code TBPM and make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of great offers I've been giving you on the Four Corners podcast. Same for my co-host, Anthony Pagnata, who also, wow. I think, uh, maybe doubles as a marriage counselor as well. Why did you go with the full name? Are because you trying you, to advertise my side business? Because I would greatly appreciate it. I mean, I, I didn't know I was working with Aristotle. So. Hey, look, man, we've just got... Pa- Pagastotl. We just got the new stations up here in uh, uh, in our studio where we record here at the station. Uh, they have signed me up to do a marriage counseling uh, show on Sundays. Two-hour show. Tune in. During the NFL season? Tell me how those ratings go for you. Well, it's an early morning show. It kind of gets things flowing for the people that don't, you know, necessarily get into the four hours of NFL pregame show that we have. You know, I'm just, hey, I'm just wanting to help people out. Um, Let's transition now into our keys to the game. And, And the thing I wrote down first were the three words we heard the most from Huber Davis last year. Energy, effort, and toughness. And I think a lot of that translated into what we were talking about before the uh, before the break. I want to see this team have fun because I want to have fun watching them. And as much as it is that possible for you, you don't seem like a fun guy. Yeah, no, because when they play really well, I have a lot of fun watching them. So if it's been work for them playing, how does it feel for those of us that have watched it? It's felt like work. Oh, I'm sure it's worse, yeah. You know, it, it feels like work watching them run four-minute offense or not getting, you know, box outs on, on defense or not closing out to contest a three-point shot. We got to see this team have some joy in it. And that guy, come, and that comes back to the, the guy that Hubert Davis told us was the heart and soul of this team. That's R.J. Davis, mm-hmm. and he's look, he's having a he's having a fine season. He's not going to blow you out the water, you know, with anything in particular. He's averaging fourteen points, five point seven rebounds, two point three assists, but he's only shooting forty four percent from the field and thirty one percent from behind the three point line. Brady Manick was the emotional leader of this team a year ago. He was the guy who wasn't afraid to to speak his to speak his uh, his mind. Remember, I, was, I remember a specific bang bang mf mf at the end of the season. You know, he he yes. called the team out, said they were soft a, a, in the middle of the non conference season. Yep. 
R.J. Davis, I think, is growing into that role. I listened to his interview with Adam Lucas on the Tar Heel Sports Network after the win over Gardner-Webb the other night, and you could hear that he was kind of voicing some of that kind of same, that that leadership. It wasn't nothing negative. Mm -hmm. It was all positive. And so I think that's an area where we need him to grow is that Caleb loves a gamer. So, you know, and look, there were times last year whenever he would make a big play, he would let you hear about it. But outside of that, he's a quiet guy. He really doesn't really start talking until he starts going. Armando Baycott, Mondo's been here for four years. He's not going to talk. That's not who he is. Pete Nance is a transfer. Brady Manick may have been a transfer, but they're just two different dudes. And then Leaky Black, you know, kind of like Armando, he's been here for four years. Leaky's always been a quiet Yeah, dude. that's just yeah. not who he is. Yeah. R.J. Davis, I think, is the guy that's gonna that's gonna keep this team connected, glued together. When it's going great, he'll be the guy out there giving them high fives and, and fist bumps and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But also, I think he's the guy that if they don't, you know, if if someone doesn't run the court, which happens quite a lot, if somebody doesn't get a defensive box out, which right now is is happening quite a lot, if we're not doing all those little things, I think he's the one guy that he could get in get in their rear ends, and no one's gonna bat an eye. But and so I think it is all I think it's all going to come together where once you have that vocal leader keeping them accountable, then they'll start willing to do all these little things more more frequently. They're never going to do this for forty minutes. Mm-hmm. It's 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 impossible to expect that. It's impossible to ask that of them. But I've always said if they do it for as close to forty minutes as possible, we're gonna like the results. So I think one thing I want to see this team do on on Sunday, as we talked about, maybe they reset the start of the season after this five day layoff, is get back to doing those little things, playing with energy, effort, and toughness that we saw last year. And I think we'll not only like the results, but feel a lot better about them as we head to Portland. Well, I mean, I think it all starts with the first one. I think it's all about what kind of energy are you bringing to this game? Because it looked, to me, the first three games, and it's very evident with how they've played in the first halves of these games, they just they haven't necessarily brought it. They've seemed like they've kind of been going through the motions. It's been a little sleepy at times. And look, part of that, I get it, man. The fans as a whole, I think, have to be better as well. The first game of the season, they I packed the it out. The first two games, they were fine, and then the other night, there, there was, was nobody there. The other night, it was, but I mean, like it was a cold night in the middle of November with bad weather. I mean, look, it's not an excuse, but it's something. Some of the other best, do Kansas ain't ever going to have a problem packing their their arena out. But that's that's a whole different conversation. But look, you've got to bring the energy. To this game, you you have to treat this game like this is a power conference matchup because this is a very legitimate basketball team. Mm-hmm. They are one of the best shooting teams in the country right now, not just overall from the field. Three-point percentage, they're shooting 54% from behind the arc. That is insane. And That's what I shot in church ball. They are going to absolutely light you up if you are not ready to go for this game. So that's the thing is you got to have some energy. And like you said, I think R.J. Davis is the guy that has to make everybody realize that this is what has to happen. Look, if if, if the other guys are wanting to step up and be vocal leaders as well, feel free. But I think you're right. I think that R.J. is the extension of, in this case, it used to we used to always say that Ty Lawson, extension of Roy. Kendall Marshall, extension of Roy. Well, 
R.J. Davis has to be the extension of Hubert out there. And I think he's more than capable of doing it. But, yeah, you, you want to see that, you know, start in this game and try to get everybody energized. The other night, look, I'll tell you, you have to give him credit. He brought it on the glass. Yeah. He had 10 rebounds. And, I, I mean, part of it is that other guys have to wake up and realize that it is time to start playing at a high level. But, I, I mean, that's that's going to ultimately be what determines what type of game Carolina is in for. And you will know it very early in this game. Oh, yeah. Whether or not Carolina is locked in. Look, this could be another one of those games that could be back and forth. But I think if we see the effort that we want to see, we will come out feeling a lot more positive about this, even if this turns out to be a single-digit game when it's all said and done, or maybe Carolina pulls away a little bit late, because this team that they are playing is legit. You mentioned the three-point shooting. The Dukes do win are shooting 54% from behind the three-point line. That is second in college basketball. They average 11 Who and a half the hell makes. is shooting better than them? At that, like that's insanity. They may have taken my church league stats and just put them into the actual Division One stats. Uh, they average eleven and a half makes on twenty one attempts. So that's the second key for Carolina is to defend the three point line. And here's the good news: is that through three games, Carolina is doing just that. They're only allowing opponents to shoot thirty two percent from behind the arc. That's one hundred and sixty seventh in the country. They're averaging six make. They're, they're they're averaging allowing giving up six makes on twenty attempts. So you're you're going to see a team that's not afraid to shoot it. They've got multiple guys that can shoot it and will shoot it. They're going to space Carolina out like most mid majors do that play the way that James Madison wants to play. And so for really for Carolina, this is really the first time where. The four-guard lineup, I think, will be used more defensively than it's been offensively. We've seen that as a more of an offensive way from Hubert Davis this year because he's not getting what he wants in the half court. So he wants guys that can get out and run. But this time, I still think you're going to see that because I think Seth Trimble and Tyler Nichol, they've done enough to earn minutes. Same thing with DeMarco Dunn and Dontrez Styles. But this could be a way where whenever you've got to – hide, whether it's Pete Nance or Armando Baycock because they can't go on the perimeter, you see that lineup out there. Because I do feel like if Carolina comes out and they get carved up from three, it could be a much longer Sunday afternoon in the Smith Center than we want it to be because that opens up their offense. Like the running game does in football, for a mid-major, if they start they start knocking in three-pointers left and right and you start overplaying and you got your bigs out there guarding you know, a six-foot guard, he's taking them off the dribble, he's getting to the rack, it's good night, Irene. And so I think that's going to be something where you're going to see Hubert Davis this time go to that lineup but more from a defensive mindset than one to generate easy offense. Well, the good news is, is that we saw in the first half against Charleston, Charleston shot very well from beyond the arc. Mm-hmm. And then Carolina sort of recovered. So we know that this is a team that can take punches and that can adjust because I thought in the first half against Charleston, I mean, look, there were times where the Cougars were just making shots, but there were also times where Carolina wasn't rotating quick enough. Carolina decided to double in a situation where they should not have doubled. Yep. And I thought they made those adjustments. So this has to be one of those games as well where if you're noticing some of those same issues, 
you say, okay, let's calm ourselves down here. Remember what we did against Charleston. You're right. I think they've done a good job of taking away the three-point shot overall. The other thing, though, is, is, is part of that just that they faced two other really bad shooting teams in Gardner-Webb and UNCW out of the gate. I mean, UNCW, definitely. We know that. But, I, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I think that's one of the things in this game that we're kind of going to learn about this team. And I think you're right. I think we'll see a good amount of that four-guard lineup. And look, when it was out there against the College of Charleston, I thought it looked pretty good. You know, you had a smaller group out there, and it worked out for you. I think you're going to see more of that again in this one. The only concern that I have is that this team just has so many different guys. You you talked about it. They have eight guys that are scoring six or more a game and four that are scoring 12 or more a game. They've got so many different people that they can throw at you. So Carolina's got to be able to withstand runs that will definitely be there. And I think part of that is trying to, as as much as you can, eliminate what they do from the outside. If you had to take a guess of what the third and final key to the game would be, what do you think it is? Um, I don't know. I mean, look, they have to share the ball better. Hmm, get the ball inside a little more to Armando. I'm going to go with rebounding, Alex. Rebound, rebound, yes. rebound. I think this is the area where through three games – I, I'm I've been the most frustrated at because I didn't think this was going to be an issue at all, given Carolina's size, length, talent, and then the fact that you know, really after the title game, I I told you all summer this team was three minutes away from cutting down you know the the nets. They Dang told it. you the the players on the team told well, you no, that. no the players told us we were a box out away. Yeah, and and so you know I I feel like when you hear those words, you would. You would see a even a, an either further commitment to being a better rebounding team. And Carolina was still really good last year. They weren't the best rebounding team in the country, but they rebounded it a heck of a lot better than I thought they would have under Hubert Davis. And I think that's why the other night he was so frustrated with his group was because for the third straight game, they were out-rebounded in the first half. They, 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 they finally won the rebounding margin, but only by two. They've yet to pummel a team on the boards. And this is a team that you would think, oh, you should pummel them. But they're averaging 44 total rebounds a game, which is 27th in the country. Now, on the flip side of that, because they've shot the ball really, really well, you know, their their opponents are only getting 25 rebounds because they're not missing a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, there's there's a reason why there's this this massive margin on the glass for for James Madison. But I think right now every team that looks at film of Carolina and studies Carolina, they're going to look at their own personnel and say, we can compete with that. Because right now Carolina's not – Carolina's getting beat not because of technique. It's, they're getting beat because of effort. Because the the opponent they want the ball more, mm-hmm. and and I think that's that's the biggest frustration. And if if Carolina comes in here and they give up 15 offensive rebounds, they're going to find themselves in a game in the at the under four minute timeout of the second half. I mean, I maybe. And uh, if if I'm going to tell you, if this team has that many offensive rebounds and they shoot the way that they have early in the season or even close to it. Carolina could find themselves trailing, well, and that's, well, that's you know, when you're probably a by a significant amount. This is if if Armando Baycott is the guy we believe him to be, 
And we do believe he is the best big man in the country. Who said that? There's an argument with Officer Sweeway. He returned there and I had 22 and 15. There's an argument with Drew Timmy at Gonzaga. We believe Armando Baycott's the best big man in college basketball. I may have said that anybody that did not pick him to win the Wooden Award was playing themselves. And so yep. if, if we believe that belief to be true, this has got to be a game that he owns. This, ha- this has to be a man's game. Mm-hmm. That, that ball needs to be his. He's yet to record a double double this year. He's yet to stunning, dude. He's yet to hit double digit rebounds this year. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's it's. I mean, and, and so that no, uh, on Sunday that stops. Get get your get your hip on somebody. Get the position, and then go go get the freaking thing. He well, the, mo- have, the most I want, I want fifteen to eight. I want fifteen rebounds. The most frustrating part from him was that he called himself out in the post game after the College of Charleston, and said that he frankly just it, he needs to step up. And then I mean against against Gardner Webb, you just didn't see it. You saw the same thing. I, that that's the thing that's driving me insane. But yeah, I, I mean look. I just just looking at the overall rebounding numbers so far this year. Carolina in total rebounds 266th. I don't know if they have ever been that low. I, I mean that is unbelievable, and even more so, the offensive rebounds is what blows my mind. This is a team that last year. I mean they they absolutely dominated the offensive glass. They are averaging eight offensive rebounds a game. There were possessions last year where Armando had eight offensive rebounds in a single possession because one of the things that we told him in the offseason we wanted to see from him was finish at the rim a little bit better. This is, they have got to get back. I said it earlier. They need to get back to their identity with Carolina basketball. They have to stop thinking so much and just play the way that they know they are capable of. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. What changed from last year? I don't don't know. I don't think anything. You you lost Brady Manick, but, like, are we trying to say that Brady Manick was a great rebounder? Like, that that wasn't really his strength. I mean, he was a guy that averaged just a little over six rebounds. And you brought in a guy in Pete Nance who, I'm not going to say he was dominant, but... He had double. He averaged double-digit rebounds a year ago at Northwestern, mm-hmm. and that's been a part of his game. So as as a team as a whole, you thought this team was probably going to be even better rebounding wise. That was one of the things we didn't even talk about that in the preseason because we said to ourselves, "Well, that's an element we know we can count on." That's what's mo- the most frustrating part is that we we looked at that and said we don't have to worry about that. That's always been an element of Carolina basketball. That'll be there. And through the first three games, it's like you've said. It just seems like a lack of effort because that's the biggest thing with rebounding. It's effort, and it's it's about being in the right positions. And Carolina just hasn't at times this year. So, I, I mean, look, that's that's got to be a big part of what Carolina does in this game. You need to create these second-chance opportunities because a big part of why Carolina's field goal percentage isn't great so far this year, what boosted that field goal percentage over the years? Getting offensive rebounds and finishing those easy chances. They're not doing that right now. So... I, I think that's that's what that is the biggest key for this team. It's playing with effort 
and rebounding well. If you do those two things, I think you will see this Carolina team look exactly like the team that we thought they were coming into this season. But at this point, I mean, I know it's only three games in. There are a lot of people that are telling us to, hey, calm it down a little bit. It's still early. But it's it, it's it's got to at least be a little concerning that you're three games in. And so far, to me, Carolina's played the same game basically three times in terms of effort and rebounding. Carolina enters with an 81.1% chance to win the game. According to ESPN's matchup predictor and ESPN's basketball power index, that's easily the lowest that they've had. They've been given the chance to win this year. You're going to hear some guys on Twitter that cover the mid-majors really talk up James Madison, and they're they're not going to be surprised if Carolina or, or if they go in there and they compete with Carolina. Ultimately, what do you think happens on Sunday? I think Carolina wins. I think it'll definitely be a close game because I think James Madison is coming in confident. They're shooting the ball extremely well. And when you're doing that, it, it's tough to sort of get you out of rhythm. But I think at the same time, the other night had to be a wake-up call for Carolina. You barely survived an 0-2 basketball team. That is a mid-major. Hubert Davis was not happy. We we look, we heard first two games of the year, he said he was proud of his team. Now he said that to the media in the press room afterwards, but those comments that he made to Jones Angel were extremely telling. And you listen, you you listen to the Tar Heel post games. Did he sound like that after the first two games of the season? Not to the point that he was in that game. I think this team is going to be motivated because I think that Hubert Davis has probably let them know that, look, what's happened is unacceptable. He said, hey, he said this in in, in the press room. We, may, we will have to start distributing minutes differently if guys don't step up. So I think Carolina will know that. I think you'll see them play with a sense of urgency. I think Carolina gets it done, but I think because it's a really good mid-major like James Madison – I think it will be close for a majority of the way. I like the Tar Heels to pull away late. Yeah, I, I I think Carolina wins, and this goes back to me something I, I stated the other day with why I was frustrated because people are are asking me why are you upset when your team's three and zero. I don't look at the scoreboard. I look at the way they the the way they play. Wow, they haven't played yet. All the right, way Coach that, that we expect them to play the way we want them to play. Frankly, the way they 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 should play. I want to see them get back to that starting on Sunday. They're going to have to build to that. They're going to have to build to the way they were playing at the end of last year because, you know, even the 08-09 team, they had to build back those same habits. And and so that's what I want to see on Sunday is getting back to that same level that we saw in March of last year. And I think they will do that, um, and I do think they will improve to 4-0 on Sunday afternoon. No matter what happens on the court, we'll have you covered on the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where busy weekend for us as Carolina football is in action on Saturday evening against Georgia Tech. We'll actually be in attendance for that one. Anthony and Graham Hasty have you covered with the preview. Then we'll be back with a recap. There will be a stock report. There will be Ashen's analysis. Cannot commit to a trench report giving Carolina playing on Sunday and then turning around and going out west for the PK-85. But nonetheless, we'll have you covered on the football side of things. As for basketball, 
an in-depth preview on James Madison will be will be available. Then I'll be there for you for your recap as well. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. We're on every major podcasting platform. Simply search the Four Corners Podcast, and we will pop up where we encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. But most importantly, we want you guys to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the podcast throughout the throughout the duration of the basketball season. So with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.